We welcome you today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Will you please join me in the call to worship? O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. We belong to you, Lord. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. We to your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. Body and soul, in life and death, we belong to you, Lord. I think we should sing that chorus one more time. <laughs> Just have to do that sometimes. Yes. 
Because of the great faithfulness of the Lord God Almighty, we come before Him in the confidence of His never-failing love. So with that assurance in mind, let us pray our prayer of confession to God together. O oh God, we go through life so lonely, needing what other people can give us, yet ashamed to show the need. Forgive us for our pride. Forgive us when we create barriers between us and others. We see other people going through life so lonely, hungering for what it would be such a joy for us to give. Forgive us for our stinginess in giving of ourselves. Dear God, please bring us together, the people who need each other, who can help each other, and would so enjoy each other. Help us to touch the lives of those who have graciously brought to cross our paths and empower us to go out seeking the lost. Amen. Friends, the steadfast love of the Lord is never ceasing. Morning by morning, new mercies He brings. Be assured of God's love, God's forgiveness, God's call for you to live a new life with Him today and forever. Amen. Peace of Christ be with you. As we share that peace personally now with each other, I would invite those who are fifth grade and younger to meet their leaders at the back of the sanctuary to go on to Sunday school, and those sixth grade and older to join their leaders in the youth room for youth ministry today. Let's say hi to each other. say hi now and then. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful to belong to a vibrant church that is continuously engaging with the community and the world? You'll notice that there are, uh, there's a colorful insert in your bulletin today. It looks like this. And I would encourage you to take this and read what's on it, at, not during the sermon, but at your leisure this afternoon. And uh, look at all the exciting things that are happening in the life of the church. Put this next to your personal calendar, and then I would encourage you to go a step further. And that is to look at all these wonderful uh, activities and events and services that you could invite a neighbor or a friend to because they would be blessed by it. We have our, uh, our extravaganza happening on April 1st, and that's no fool. It is happening on April 1st, and we really could use a few extra hands. So if this sounds like something that's fun for you and just to be a part of, come and, and let Michelle Yoon, our uh, director of children's ministry, know. We would love to have you help. Then we have our spring choral concert. What better opportunity to invite a neighbor or a friend to come and experience something so beautiful as these people in action. So please be part of that. And then, of course, Holy Week with Monday, Thursday, and Easter Sunday. So bring a friend to that as well. 
Our Stephen ministry team also has, uh, is presenting a special seminar on March 27th at 7 o'clock. And we have Christian therapist Laura Baird is going to come and talk to us about something that I think everybody is familiar with, and that is anxiety. Not only talk to us about it, but maybe give us a few tools as well. And also you notice in your pews, there's a beautiful purple piece of paper that looks like this. And this is for Easter lilies. So if you would like to give an Easter lily in memory of a loved one, and, to, and also to share with decorating this beautiful sanctuary for Easter morning, please fill that out and turn it in, and we would love to have you do that as well. You know, our church doesn't limit its outreach uh, to just this community, but goes far beyond to um, the global community. And so we would like to invite Lori and Keith Edwards, who are going to come and share with us on behalf of our entire mission commission. Good morning. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to go to Africa and serve? Could God be calling you to do it? Well, this summer you'll have a chance to find out for yourself. The church is coordinating a trip to Kenya in August. It involves several days just outside of Nairobi visiting um, a school where there will be construction and finishing classrooms alongside the Outreach Foundation. After that, going out to Eldama Ravine to visit the Elma Barnett Children's Center where you can work with the kids and play with them too. And after that, there is a safari. So it's gonna be quite an exciting adventure and I hope you'll consider it and pray about it. We have itineraries and cost information out at the missions table if you come visit us after the service. There's contact information for Gretchen Scruggs who is helping coordinate the trip. And speaking of the Elmer Barnett Children's Center and High School, as you probably know, the Village Church has supported that project for the last 20 years, and it's been wildly successful in Kenya, helping uh, kids without families, kids with families that are dysfunctional, actually become functioning Christian members of society. Well, with the, the uh, drought in East Africa, I have to say that the farm that we use to feed the kids is now just a brown field. And our cows are trying to graze around the edges, trying to find something green to eat. They've even had to cut down some of the trees um, and use the limbs to feed the cows just to keep them alive. And on top of that, our well, which has served us well for several years, has kind of given up the ghost and doesn't seem to be redeemable. So we need to take a new well, basically. and. What we're asking for is some help to do all of this. Um, I will say that I'm very proud that the Board of Melinda, which is the sponsoring organization for this project, has voted to name the well after Jan Farley, who's made at least five trips over there and has been a huge supporter over the last 20 years. So we're gonna be uh, drilling Farley's well. And so um, what I'd like you to do is come out to the mission table, um, sign up for the trip to Africa. And while you're there, you can have fun playing with the kids. Uh, you can be there for the uh, dedication of Farley's Well, and don't forget to bring your checkbook. Thank you very much. Thank you. So grateful for Keith and Lori as ambassadors of Christ and also ambassadors of Christ from this church. So thank you to both of them. So you and I now have the opportunity to express our gratitude to God and our hope to serve with body and soul. So we invite you during this next musical piece to come forward with your gifts and tithes and offerings and place them in the baskets in the front.
may be seated. One of the greatest gifts that the Lord gives to us is the gift of listening to us and speaking to us. So in that confidence, let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, you are the one who took the dust of the ground and formed it into humankind, giving us life by the gift of your powerful spirit that you breathed into us. You are the one who placed us in the garden, the one who walked with us when we chose to walk our own way rather than yours, and the one who walks with us still. You are the one who welcomes us with loving arms when finally we decide to turn back to you, and the one who embraces us with eternal and life-giving love when we have breathed our last on this good earth. Hear us then, O God, for the sake of your love. In our prayer today, we choose to remember first that long list that indeed has no end that list of things for which we should be and indeed are grateful. We thank you for clothing that keeps our bodies warm, for food that gives us energy for living, for shelter that protects us from sun and rain, for productive work to do, for rest from that work, for family and friends with whom we share this journey, for your word in scripture that helps us understand it all, and for your word lived out in the life of Jesus so that we can finally and fully know the kinds of human beings we are meant to be. We thank you for these miracles that we see and know, and for those that go by us each day without our noticing. We thank you for these moments in which we can simply say, thank you. You know us better than we know ourselves, O oh God, so you know our needs as well. We need you to lead us to find better ways to overcome the divisions that haunt us, the chasms between us formed by our political opinions, by our inabilities to communicate, by our prides and prejudices born of insignificant differences in the places from where we come or the languages by which we speak. We need you to heal us of physical and mental dis-ease, of emotional trauma and scars, and of wrapping ourselves in pride and defensiveness born of our fears and untamed appetites. We need you to help us walk with Jesus, who showed us the way to be filled with strength and hope and love that comes from truth and mercy and faith. We can never say enough, Lord, for now this is what we will say. And now we will say what you have taught us in the words that Jesus gave. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Our first reading today is Psalms 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God, Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice, because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now we're reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from a flow of blood for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his cloak, 
I will be made well. Immediately, her flow of blood stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my cloak? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what she had happened to her, came to f in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made me well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. The word of the Lord. When I was eight years old, my sister Charlotte, who was nine, contracted a bone disease which was uh, not very much was known about it at that time called osteomyelitis. We were living in the Imperial Valley and when Charlotte's condition continued to deteriorate, she was finally transported here to San Diego to what was then called Crippled Children's Hospital, now known as Rady Hospital. She stayed in isolation for three months. At that time, my mom stayed with her in her room, and my dad and I were left at home, my dad working and me going to school. I have to tell you that life was really, really strange with my mom and sister gone. I felt very disconnected and very alone and afraid. My dad worked long, hard hours in the fields, and nighttime was the worst. I was afraid in my room without my big sister, so my dad decided that we would both sleep out on the fold-out couch in the living room until they would come home. My dad would fall asleep as soon as his head hit the pillow, and I was left awake with the light and the TV. When it was time to go to sleep, I would turn off the TV, and in those days, you actually had to get up and go turn it off. <laughs> Prehistoric times. And then the light was a fixture up on the ceiling with the chain hanging down, and so I would have to stand up on the couch and stand up on a pillow on my tiptoes, reach up and yank the chain in order for the light to go off. But what I discovered was that when I would stand up there and turn the light off, the whole room was plunged into darkness, and it was terrifying to me. And so on more than one occasion, I wouldn't do that, and I would just leave the light on. Now, my dad was a very strong man with big hands covered in calluses because of all the manual labor he had done all his life. And one night, I decided to to get my courage together to turn that light off and stood up on the pillow and my dad's hand was there. And I stood into my dad's hand and found that my foot fit perfectly into the palm of his hand. And from then on, every night, I would take my dad's hand and spread it open and I would get up on the pillow and step into his hand and then I would turn off the light. It was that connection to my dad's hand that calmed all my fears and allowed me to sleep. The hunger to connect and belong is at the heart of our nature as human beings. When we're cut off from others, we atrophy and we turn in on ourselves. We were created to be deeply rooted in each other. We were created to be connected in order to survive and in order to thrive. And when we're cut off from people and disconnected from our sense of place, we will experience what it means to be in exile. Exile, this ancient emotional disaster that plagued the entire history of the Jews it wasn't just isolated to a certain time in history or a place or a certain people, 
but it's through the stories of their sojourn and their experiences in exile that we learn of God's faithfulness. And in learning of God's faithfulness, we are provided with a light of hope that lights up even the darkest tunnel that we might find ourselves in. Exile can be very disorienting. It's disorienting and it's frightening and it will breed anxiety. In much the same way that it breeds anxiety when we grieve. In grief, all the familiar landmarks are gone, just like in exile. And we lose our sense of belonging to someone or some place. The sense of intimate connection, of belonging, is a natural balance to our lives. Have you, have you ever found yourself saying, as long as, as long as I have you, we can do anything. As long as I have them, as long as we're together as a family. So it, it, it allows us to have a balance in our lives. And honestly, there is some innocent childlike side to the human heart that is always deep, deeply hurtful when we are excluded or left out. Belonging suggests warmth and understanding and embrace. No one is created for isolation, nobody. And when we become isolated, we are prone to becoming damaged. And our minds lose their flexibility and it loses our natural kindness. We become very vulnerable to fear and negativity. The sense of belonging keeps you in balance amidst the inner and outer immensities that life is going to throw at all of us, and it will, and it does. The woman in our text had been in exile for 12 years, cut off, disconnected from society, because she suffered from a condition that rendered her untouchable by, Rome, by Jewish law. And she had been suffering from the flow of blood. And the text says that she had endured much under all the physicians and nobody could cure her. She had spent every cent she had trying to find a cure. And the scripture tells us that she was no better. In fact, she was getting worse. But she heard that a healer was coming to town. And that healer, we know, was Jesus. So let's focus on this woman for a few moments. Mark certainly does. In a series of short sentences and phrases, Mark shines a spotlight on her illness, on her struggles, and on her courage. The woman is, by Jewish law, unclean. Everything she touches becomes unclean. Whoever she touches becomes unclean. Whoever touches her becomes unclean. The law is pretty clear. In her own home, in society, and in the synagogue, this woman is an outsider. And so it's knowing that that you can begin to understand and appreciate that one of the most crucial consequences of this woman's need for healing would be the ability to be brought back into community, would be that reconnection with those she loved, to reconnect and to experience human intimacy once again. One of the things that I miss so much about my children growing up were having little tiny arms around my neck. And then I had grandkids touching the ritual, ritually unclean is Jesus' primary mode of healing. Isn't that wonderful? Even though by touching them, he himself became untouchable. And so he would have to go through a rigorous ritual of purification for every time that he did that. But it's significant that Jesus chooses to shatter the barriers that go, that exist between us and other people that separate us from one another with a, with a, with a sense of touch. Jesus' ministry, if you look at it, is marked by 
by connections that he created as he encounters and heals people whose lives are hemorrhaging blood or hemorrhaging guilt, that, that are hemorrhaging self-righteousness or hemorrhaging blindness, that are hemorrhaging paralysis or greed, anything where the lifeblood is just flowing out of you. And Jesus was willing to make that touch. Sometimes he touches them and sometimes they touch him first. Sometimes the touch is with the hand and sometimes the touch is through words, words that rest upon the heart and upon the soul. But however that touch happens, however that touch happens, a connection is made and people, because of that touch, are made whole. This unnamed woman slips up behind and touches Jesus' cloak. She doesn't even think she has to speak to him. She doesn't even think she has to engage with him. She doesn't even think she has to make a request. She just thinks, if I can just touch any part of him, just even the hem of his garment. And this is where, this is so exciting because this is where the story gets really, really personal. The Luke version has this to say, and all the crowd sought to touch him for power came forth from him and healed them all. So he was walking down that street and people were crowding in on him and they were being healed just by touching him. And in the middle of all that, the crowd is pushing and shoving. And in the middle of all that, this woman reaches out and she touches his his garment and he stops. And he says, who touched me? And then we get attitude from the disciples. They get really sarcastic. And they're like, "Uh, excuse me, you see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say who touched me? But you see, Jesus distinguished the difference between those who were pressing in on him and the person who, unless they were recognized, would never be accepted by that crowd. She didn't even think she needed to bother him. And he in no way is going to keep that healing private because that would mean that the most important part of her healing would not take place her reintegration into society, her being restored to her community and family once again. So Jesus very publicly calls the woman out. And in front of all of these people, she falls down and she tells everybody what happened. And there for everybody to hear and witness Jesus affirms her faith. Daughter, your faith is great. You healed and now go. And at that moment, at that very moment, all of those people hear and witness how Jesus affirms her and blesses her. And at that moment, this woman who had been in exile for 12 years, in that moment she felt the chains fall from her wrists and the door of that cell swing wide open and the exiled had been returned as a free woman. You see, Jesus heals disconnection. Jesus heals marginalization. Not only was he willing to touch the untouchable, but he made sure he did it in full view of the crowds. With the touch of his hand or the mud he makes out of spit, a word of inclusion or acknowledgement, he let the crowds know that this person that he heals, this person was included and favored and there was no reason whatsoever for them to ever be excluded again. Everyone from Zacchaeus up in the tree, come down, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. To Lazarus from the grave, 
all of them were reintegrated, reconnected, and resurrected into a new life of belonging. How do we go about healing disconnection? How do we go about healing marginalization as the body of Christ? Are you, are we afraid to touch the untouchable? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. Do we stand in judgment of those in the margins? Are we disgusted by them for those who have to live so differently from us? You see, we have a choice because we always have a choice. Do we touch? Do we give? Do we protect? Do we forgive? Do we heal? Do we welcome? Do we choose to follow in the manner of Jesus for life? Or, or maybe you're one of those people that are in exile, cut off or disconnected even though you're among us. Maybe you're a prisoner held captive by memory or circumstance and you feel like an outsider with no sense of belonging, are you in need of the healing touch of Jesus? We are so desperately in need for the body of Christ, which is each and every single one of us, we are so in need for the body of Christ here and now to touch a lonely, broken, and disconnected world and bring healing and connection back once again. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not an easy pill to swallow at times. It is a demanding truth that pushes us beyond ourselves. It pushes us outside of our own interests. It pushes us to, to fill other needs besides our own. It pushes us to the edges of our comfort zone and then quite often beyond our comfort zone. But listen, it is the only way to life. And we are called as individuals and as a community, as the body of Christ, we are called to be places of belonging and connection for a lonely world. But I hope that you're not frightened by this demand. I hope that it doesn't scare you to think of all that we must do. Whoever you are in this story, whether you are bleeding or a face in the crowd, whether you're a frustrated disciple, whether you are the healer or the healed, the outcast or the restored, of this you can be sure, and I can guarantee you 100%. God's hand is big enough for you to stand on as you reach for the light. Amen. A couple weeks ago, uh, the youth choir did this song for the first service, and Pastor Jan invited us to come back and do it again just a couple weeks later for this service, knowing the connection it had to her sermon and the scripture we had for today. So this is not the type of song that we would normally do here at this traditional service, uh, but the theology is great, and we think that it will speak to you. Uh, in this time. So if you would like to join us on the chorus, we would be happy for you to join us in singing. Uh, and if you want to listen to it a couple times before you join in on us, you have that opportunity. Uh, but this is beautiful things and we offer it up uh, as a song, as an offering to God.
Wow. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God makes beautiful things? I do. Look at. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming back. People of God, will you stand for our benediction? Go out and connect. Go out and touch. Go out and be Christ in the world. May the love of God and the peace and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ and the intimate fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. All of God's people said together, amen. amen.